I was praying this morning that the Lord would give me some jokes because sometimes I get a little serious, but all right, well, today was eventful, all right, amen. Well, um, I just want to thank you guys. You know, I got to give my Grammy Award speech before I, I share. That's what like real, um, I guess like itinerant ministers do, but I'm not one, but anyways, um, yeah, I just wanted to thank you guys, elders, for and just supporting Sonia and I, uh, family in here, my Uncle Kev, who is my youth pastor. Um, you guys have allowed Sonia and I, um, whatever your ceiling was, it was, it's become our floor so that we can stand. So thank you guys. Um, I realize like I'm standing on a stage that I haven't really labored for. I haven't sacrificed for. And um, I just want to thank you guys for that and for the families that support us and the youth ministry and everything. This is an amazing community. This is one of a kind, and we love you guys. Y'all are family, so amen. Well, uh, I just, I, I feel like I have an assignment today. Is that okay? I feel like I have an assignment. Um, Bill Johnson says, to live in courage, it takes encouragement. To live in courage, it takes encouragement. And so um, I just want to kind of be transparent and uh somewhat of a, a weak leader and whatnot. I don't really have it in my heart to try and wow anybody or anything, but I just, I, I, I just carry in my heart this morning. I, I want to bring encouragement like a booster shot into your arm this morning. I know 2021 is, has been a, a rough year for a lot of us. Um, there's so many different things, so many different situations, sicknesses and um, life can just be tough, but I really have it in my heart this morning more than anything to stir up your faith. And I believe the Lord wants to raise a banner of hope over heart of the Father. And I want to be there holding that banner and waving it. Amen. And how many of you want to want to raise that banner with me, a banner of hope? So I want to talk a little bit about this word that starts with a P. It's called process. And you say, why did everybody just like, Nobody likes talking about process. All right, say it with me, process. There, you got it out. It's not weird anymore. But I want to talk about process because I believe this is, process is the way that the Lord accomplishes what he wants to do in the earth through you, in you, and to those around you. And so I know life can be so discouraging and uh, it can be disheartening, and I'm not going to pretend to know all of the different things that you and I have gone through, but the part of this hope that I'm talking about is that there's purpose in your process. So the title of my message this morning is Finding Purpose in Your Process. I say, I want you to say this with me, purpose. I want you to say this to yourself, I have purpose in my process. I want you to look to your right. I want you to tell somebody, you have purpose. Come on, say it with your chest. This is what we say in you. Say it with your chest. Mean it. You have purpose in your process. Amen. You know, God is using process in your life to accomplish his greatest good and your good. He wants to glorify himself in the midst of process. And I think especially in the youth culture, um, well, in the, in the millennials as well, we, do, we have this thing where everything's just instant, ready to go, it's convenient, it's, it's, uh, it's just ready to go, and I, I feel like the Lord's just kind of inviting us, you know, I gotta, Barry, I gotta do a food reference, the Lord's inviting us to get in the crock pot, all right? How many of you guys know good food takes a little while? All right, don't trust the skinny cook. No, that's real. Except Brandon. Brandon can cook. Brandon can cook. But there's purpose in your process. The pressing and the pressure and the heat and the exhaustion, all of these things are preparing for you something. They're preparing in you something, and it's preparing something for those around you. And so my heart this morning is that we would say yes, that we would be encouraged, that we would have more uh, uh, tenacity, that we would meet things 
with, with a spirit of, uh, of like, I'm not backing down. I want us to really be a booster shot in your arm because the pressure and the pressing, all of those things, they're, they're creating something. The circumstances, the sorrow, the loneliness, the suffering, the hardship. You know, Sonia and I, I would, I would say this was probably one of the hardest years that we've, we've ever had. Some of you guys know, um, let, let me explain a little bit of our process. And this is how funny God works. Fall 2020, I wrote this down. Um, spending time with the Lord, and I was like, Lord, man, I just, I just want to get close to you, to you. And he just kind of revealed to me, being transparent, he said, I want to deliver you of control. And I was like, okay, praise God. <laughs> deliver me, Lord, of control, my control issues. I know I got, you know, it, it, when, when the Lord speaks to you, you don't have to do like this, this egg hunt or, or witch hunt or whatever. Like, you'll know. You say, search me, like David said. Search my heart and see if there's any wicked way in me. He'll, he'll help you find it. You don't have to go looking for it, okay? It's that thing you've been ignoring. But he told me he wants to deliver me of control, and I said, okay, Lord, how do you want to do that? He said, get pregnant. I was like, Lord, no. Can I tell you, I've been out of control for a while now. Judah, stop waving at me. He's happy. We got a happy boy. You know, at the same time, well, let me just tell you, we, we got pregnant. We had our boy, Judah. And, uh, and the Lord is now giving me vision. I'm praying into uh, 2021 for our youth group, and the Lord gives me this word purity. Purity. You know what that word means? It means without blemish, without mixture. It's pure. It is what it is. There is no facade. We hit December 2020. We get pregnant. My wife and I, we, we're pregnant. We're excited. Five, six weeks in, she's extremely ill. A lot of you guys have been praying for her. And now she's amazing now, but she lost 32 pounds in three weeks. Remember, she couldn't keep anything down, so we were in the hospital for five or six days. And from that point on, we had a complete life shift. She got uh, this, this port in her arm. I had, we, we had to have a home health nurse. Uh, we, we had somebody delivering cold medicine that, you know, it needs to be refrigerated. We need to get the stuff. We need to put it, we need to make sure all the dates. There's so many little processes, and it changed everything for us. And it's tough to be excited when you go through process, right? And I began to go, Lord, why, why, why are you? At first, I was, I, was, I was pretty strong. I'm like, okay, like, Lord, I know that you're doing something. I know you're good. But it started to wear me out. And I had to become strong, which I didn't know. I wasn't, like, prepared to do that, to be strong for Sonia. And I remember carrying her and picking her up, sometimes going into the, to the tub so she can shower and different things of that nature. And so we, we adjusted to prepare for this baby. We, we learned to find joy. This song that we produced, Counted All His Joy, that Michaela sang, became an anthem for us. And so July 2021, here comes the baby. We become parents. And man, since I've been a dad, I feel like I've been so emotional. So emotional. And at the same time, so proud. I was, I was just thinking of, of uh, the girls singing up here and Gage playing. And I just started to cry because I, I was reminded of Revelation 5 when Jesus is being portrayed there, and, and, and the scripture says that he bought and he purchased with his blood every person from every tribe, tongue, and nation. What an honor it is to be your youth pastor tribe ministry, to have such a small piece to share in, in presenting you a holy and spotless bride before Jesus. Anyways, we, we become parents, and um, we weren't quite ready for that either because we, we both come from bo broken homes where our parents aren't together. And so imagine this pressure and then we're called to, to be strong and then we're now into another process. I remember we had trouble feeding. Um, we went down to one income. Sonia's staying at home so we can take care of Judah and raise him. 
he was colicking, and then Sonia had to undergo procedure. And I, I just recall things just being so tough. And I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? Because if I, if I know what you're doing, apart from up here, if I know it in here, then I could, I could hold fast. If I can just touch the hem of your garment, if I can just hold on. You know, one of the big things when you're in process that's hard, I found this, found this out that's hard and most challenging is to apply the truth that you already know. Can I tell you one of the biggest problems in our lives is that the enemy and your flesh will try to convince you of something that you do, you do have by the blood of Jesus. And he'll, he'll make you think, you don't have that. You don't have power to get through that. You don't have perspective. Where is God? And it's all a lie. In the midst of all these things, God had a purpose for us. I want you to turn to Romans for me. This is kind of a main text that I'm going to be hanging out in. I'm so thankful because looking back, everything is is so clear I realized that the Lord was tenderizing my heart. You know, without the pressure and the pressing and the hardship, I would not have recognized that the, the attitudes of pride and anger in my own heart. I wouldn't have recognized that the Lord would, wanted to take me deeper. He wanted to take me into a deeper level of trust. And I believe this morning that the Lord wants to take us there. And I want to I tell you, if you say yes to your process... If you say, yes, Lord, I, I, I want to walk through this, because for Sonia and I, we could not get around it. We had to go through it. And when we said, Lord, I, I, we, we are clinging to you with everything we had. We are applying the truth of your word to our hearts, and we are positioning ourselves in such a way. Let me tell you something. The Lord promotes you. He blesses you. We've watched his favor. I, I remember us being in the hospital and there was all this back and forth about being paid with, with Sonia. And the CEO of her entire company is a huge, huge company. The CEO got a hold of her and said, guess what? We're going to pay you all of the weeks that you're out. And by the way, if you want to come back to work, you're still going to have your job. We, we, I remember uh, another instance where if, we had, uh, if they took away our insurance because she was not at work, then we would not be able to have the, the medicine. Therefore, she would be sick. And we were in this weird conundrum. We're like, Lord, we give this to you. You know our hearts. Wouldn't you know? They call us and say, hey, guess what? Even if you're not working, you're going to have insurance. Your medicine's not going to go back. It's, it's amazing what the Lord's done. I've, I've watched him. I remember this year, now I'm testifying. I remember this year, our septic tank busted. It's a crappy situation. Sorry. I know there's guests here. You can't hear me say, say that word. It's real bad. And then when start, people started telling us of the, of the consequences of that, I'm like, no, we don't want that coming out of the shower. <laughs> but we, we had a set amount of money, and we're like, Lord, <laughs> what do we do? What do we do, Lord? We're in process. Why, why can't we just catch a break here? Wouldn't you know a group of people at the church said, guess what? Your bill is paid, $4,000. That's the beauty of God when you trust him. I want to read to you the scripture, Romans 5. Let's read this. Therefore, since we have been justified, say justified, through faith. Okay, you can stop. That was weird. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Really? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character hope. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. And hope does not put us to shame. When you place your hope in the Lord, he will not put you to shame. Doesn't Isaiah tell us, those who wait upon the Lord? That's another word for hope. Those who hope in the Lord 
will renew their strength. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Let me break this down before I I get into some bullet points about process. Just this first part here about being justified. Let Let me summarize it. Jesus has taken us where we're at. And he has placed us in right standing relationship with the Lord. That's good news while you're in process. When you have no idea where you're at, when you don't know what's left, right, up, down, it's a good thing to know that Jesus himself, not your good works, not what you can do for the church, his blood has paid a right, paved a way for us to stand in right relationship with the Father. And watch this. Here's the next thing here. Through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace, which we now stand. Jesus himself, this, this is a summary here. Jesus himself ushers us into the very presence of God. When you feel like you, you, you don't know what's going on and there's pressing and there's shaking and there's hardship and you can't make sense and, and you got a lot of Bible knowledge up here, but you, you, know, you kind of like fake it till you make it. It's good to know that in verse 1 and verse 2, Jesus takes us into the presence of the Father. And watch this. Not only so, he says, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in sufferings. Your pressure is producing in you the spirit to overcome. The hardship, the thing that you're going through right now, maybe it's being a parent, maybe it's, Maybe it's sickness, it's illness, all of those things, they are creating in you this tenacity, this spirit to overcome and to not back down if you say yes. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character. The spirit in mind when he's talking about overcoming, when you have this spirit and when you emerge from the flame, guess what's going to come out of you? It's character. You're going to come out of the flame when you say yes to God. You're going to come out purer than you've ever been. You're going to come out stronger than you ever, you've ever been. You're going to come out better and you're going to come out leaving, leaning on your beloved. How many of you want that? That's what he wants to do in us. And you, ultimately, you're going to come up nearer. I remember us being in process when we're still in process. I'm not claiming to, to know it all or, or that we're on the other side. We're definitely in a process. But we're learning that in process, we don't, we don't want to say, no, Lord. Even though he's the one that's allowing these things to happen. If you will embrace the pressure, if you will embrace the flame, you will find that you're going to come up pure and purged of mixture, Paul's purged of false identity, Paul's purged of, of, of just all kinds of things that get in the way of our relationship with the Lord. I want to come up pure, pure. That's the word that we had for the youth group. And the beautiful thing that you're left with after saying yes to purification, pressure, you have a spirit that is that of an overcomer, you're building character, and now you have a hope that's not gonna disappoint you. And guess where that hope is, is rooted in? It's rooted in the love of God. It's rooted on the blood of Jesus, where he did that for you, and there's nothing else that you could do to earn that. It's the blood of Jesus. I wrote down three purposes in, in my process, or in my process when things don't go my way. Three things that I'm learning that God's doing in your life and in my life as we're going through process, as he's preparing us to be a holy bride. Number one, produce fruit. God's desire in your life and in my life while you're in the pressing and the process is that you would produce fruit. I'm so thankful that he's committed to that more than I am. Amen. He's committed to you producing fruit. John 15. How can we not talk about John 15? This is Jesus' commitment to you producing fruit 
in your situation. I, as I'm talking, I, I hope that you're, you're thinking about the pressing. You're thinking about what you're going through and applying this purpose. Because I really believe this for, for our lives. We're learning this, Sonia and I. And any key that I have found to not leave myself in despair or hopelessness, but to encourage my faith and root it in love so that I can look towards the future with hope, I want to give it to you. I want to give it to you. John 15, 8. This is what Jesus says. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. If you're a disciple and you say yes to the process, guess what? You're going to bear fruit. And you are going to prove to the devil, you're going to prove to your situation, you're going to prove to your sickness that you are his disciple. John 15, 16. He says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. He's positioned you and I in a very specific way in our process. He's appointed us so that we might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whenever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. I think about Jesus' commitment to producing fruit in my life, and I'm so thankful. And I realize it's a call to intimacy. Listen, when you are going through it, I want, I want to encourage our body to, to look at process, to look at, you could call it whatever, the wilderness. You can call it, sometimes it's the field. I'll get to that in a second. But I want you to look at it as an invitation to intimacy because that's what it is. Every process that we go through, no matter what it is, these things hold to be true. God will produce fruit in your life because his commitment, not yours. I found that in producing fruit that he also prunes. So in the midst of, of, of the pressure and everything, he is, his desire for my life, for you and I, is to produce fruit. But guess what? He also has to cut some dead things off in your life. He has to cut some dead things off. Why? Let us not forget. Let's not go into the negative part. But listen to this. Verse 1 and verse 2. I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. And by the way, everything that I'm sharing, this, these are three topics that we have hit in youth very hard this year. Producing fruit. He cuts off every branch. Say every. Every branch in me that bears no fruit. Thank you, Lord, for your commitment. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Can I tell you, if you're going through a pruning process today, and you might not understand God, I don't understand your ways. Which, by the way, if you're in a different season He's not going to work the same exact way that he did in the past season. He might cut you a little different. He might talk to you a little different. We don't need to be edgy. We need to catch his heart. When you can't trust God's ways, trust his heart. When you don't understand his ways, read his word. Apply the, the word of God over you. And we need to apply this. God's heart in pruning is that you and I would bear fruit and that all of the dead things would not choke us out. I have this funny story with, uh, with my uncle. He's kind of a, a, I don't know, you got like a, what's it called, rainforest? No, it's a food forest. Food forest. And so um, that's the thing. Welcome to 2021. Um, inflation. So anyways, I, uh, I have this grapevine in my backyard. I'm ashamed to say it's not a grapevine anymore. Um, one day I go back there, I'm mowing the grass, and I see these like little orange pumpkin things and I'm like, what in the world? Like that's definitely not a, a grape. And uh, I'm like, wait, wait a minute, this grape, this grapevine's starting to look a little different. And uh, I found out from Kev that um, that is something called bitter melon and it's kind of like a weed. And so once it gets on there, if you do not cut it off, it will begin to grow and take over the vine. And I was like, I, I saw like a couple and I was just like, oh, that's kind of whatever. Because I saw a cluster of grapes over here and they're growing. And I'm just like, yeah, I just, I'm going through it. I'm going through the pressing. Like I've got other priorities to do. So I'm just going to kind of let it, let it go or whatever. Well, wouldn't you know, not even a week later, there's more of those little pesky things. My fruit's gone. I'm talking to somebody today. 
The fruit is gone, and there's a weed that's there. Can I tell you that if you do not allow the Lord to prune you right here, right now, in this season, you're going to find out that later on in life, it's going to be much harder for him to prune that thing off of you. And you're going to find that your fruit is gone. If you say yes, I'm telling you, we, we, we need this booster shot. We need to appropriate the word of God into our lives. I have needed this so long. And, and, and washing over my mind, God, it is your desire, not mine alone, that you want to produce fruit, fruit that lasts in my life so that people can come in a weary season and pick it off of my life and taste it and say, man, you know what? That's God. Hey, you know what? That's refreshing. Hey, you know what? I want that in my life. Say yes to the pruning. God wants to bear fruit in your life, and his commitment is a sure thing. So that's number one, one purpose that I found in my process is God's desire to produce fruit and to prune me so that I would be even more fruitful. He wants me to grow fast. He wants me to grow for the life of me. Number two is purify. These are all P's, by the way. Number two, purify. This is, this is tough, right? Because when you're going through it, it is not the kind of message you want to hear about process and purifying. But again, can we jump in the crock pot? The Lord is so cooking. That's true. But the Lord is, is, is he's producing something in your life. He's, it's, and, and I know that it, it doesn't happen in our timing. It doesn't happen the way that we want. But when we submit, when we, when, we, when we get in a posture, the Lord is going to produce fruit in our life. And it comes through purification. What is purifying? It's that pressing. It's that heat. Purifying talks about no mixture, like I said earlier. He purges the impurities. One of the huge things in my heart for our youth this year was, God, I just, I just want to present to you a pure and spotless bride. I want to present to you a people that don't have any wickedness in them. Like they really mean what they say. I don't have to like cheerlead or babysit. I want them to run to you, not to run to me, not to run to a program, just to go straight to you and to be transformed. Because I know if they run to you and that they say yes to being purified, they're going to be made into gold. Purifying. It speaks of your character. So God is pruning so that you can produce fruit and he's turning up the heat so that you would have character. Without pressing, I said this earlier, without pressing, without pre pressure and without the heat, I would have not recognized. I thank God, um, I'm reading this book by, um, actually I don't even remember, oh it's Jack Frost. And he, he asked this question, he says, who in your life most encourages you? Who has really shaped your life? And he's, he's thinking about what he's going to say. And he's like, actually, it's those people that rubbed me wrong. Those people have done more good for me in my life to help, help me recognize the, the attitudes, the wickedness, the things that were already in there that I've tried to cover up. Those people, and I, I want to apply that to, to your situation. Those things are good for you. Let the Lord purge it out of you. Let him purge out the wickedness. Let him purge out the selfish ambition. Let him purge it out of you because you're going to find that. The, Matthew says this, the pure in heart will see God. How many of you want to see God? I want to see him. I want to experience him. Everything that I do, I want him all around me. I don't want to lose sight of him. Guess what? I'm not going to lose sight of him when I allow him to purify me. I want to talk about a guy named David. I feel like I, I look to him a lot, and I, I think, man, this guy knows process. This guy knows pressing. But can I tell you, in, in purifying, when the Lord is purging you of motives, can I tell you what's really important? It's your posture. When the heat is turned up, when the pressing is against you, when your back is against the wall, 
What's going to matter is your posture because your posture is going to, to dictate your next position. David in the field, right? Samuel, which is so interesting because Samuel has his own story, right? Hannah's son, he's raised up in the Lord and he's just pure. He's just this young boy. He's spending time in the presence. And by the way, if you read 1 Samuel, I think it might be 6, he talks about how he didn't even know the Lord. But as he submitted to his process, the Lord didn't let any of his words fall to the ground. And it also says that the Lord began to, from that day forward, reveal himself in increasing measure because of the word of God. So Samuel's on his way. Saul is rejected as king. And Samuel is, is, is down. He's down. And, and the Lord says to him, guess what? Get your horn. Get that, that, that symbol of strength. Fill it with oil because I've, I've called out the next king. And he's like, okay, so let's go to Jesse's house. You know the story, right? Samuel's before Jesse. He looks at these different guys and they're macho and everything. And the Lord's like, nope, not them. I'm looking for somebody with heart. I'm not looking at the outward appearance as everybody else does. And, and wouldn't you know, all of these young men, they passed before Samuel. And Samuel's like, is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? And he's like, well, yeah. My son, David, he's tending the sheep. He's minding his own business. He's out in the field doing his father's will, spending time with the Lord. So we know the rest of the story. David goes in there and Samuel says, guess what, we're not gonna sit down until you come here. Until he comes, he arrives on the scene and, and he's young, he's handsome and the Lord begins to anoint him. So beautiful that I've seen this in my life a lot of times. I remember a really tough season with Publix uh, I, I worked in a warehouse, crazy, crazy, crazy hours, and um, I was—I had these burning desires in my, my heart, like, Lord, I, I want to be before your presence. I want to do something that matters. I don't even know what I'm to do. Like, uh, I, I stopped going to college. I don't really know. What do I do? How do I make sense of life? And I realized that those seven years, he was purging all the selfish ambition he was purging all the unhealthiness. He wanted me leaning and relying on him because it was relationship that mattered through the process. It was relationship. And that David caught that secret. He caught that secret. And wouldn't you know, it's that his posture, being out there minding his own business, not looking for leadership, not looking for status, not looking for power, that the Lord promoted him into position. And I tell you, when you're going through your, your process, when God is purifying you, when he's getting down to the core of you, let it happen. Why? Because God is looking at your posture. God is building character in you and I. Hebrews and Revelations talks about discipline. And I've realized that, Lord, I, I want to embrace your discipline. Why? Hebrews says that you're a legitimate son when you embrace discipline. God, you don't hate me. You love me. You love me so much that you want to get every impurity, every stumbling block, everything down, every weed that's going to steal my fruit, that's going to destroy my character, that's not going to help people around me. You want to get it out of me now so that I can be productive for your kingdom. So I can love with not a, a love that is like gimme, 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 but a love that is pure, that, is, that is, is not requiring anything in return. I'm gonna skip past these, a few of these verses for time's sake, but here's number three. So number one, he's, he's pure, pruning, he's pruning us, and, and in that way, he's producing fruit, fruit that lasts. He's purifying us. And number three is perfecting. In your process, when it's hard, when it's tough, when you don't understand, God is perfecting you and I. Why? Because you and I are predestined to be conformed to his image. 
I'm so thankful that, that in my process, that, that as, as I'm being pressed, as I'm being molded, as I'm being broken down, he actually is making me into something. He's making me into his image so that I would look like him, that I would talk like him, so that the things that I, that I walk into would, would have power. You and I are predestined to be conformed to his image. This is this, uh, what I'm talking about here as far as being perfected. This entails that you and I find our full contentment in Jesus. Let me say this. I skipped this. This is really good, though. As far as purifying, there's a guy named Bob Sorge. Talk about waiting in your process. He says this. Instead of focusing on being creative, instead of trying to figure out, Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? What are you? He says, focus on being obedient. This is what David did in the field. Focus on being obedient. Why? Give your best energies to waiting on God in his presence listening for his voice, and then moving out in action only when he has spoken. The Lord perfects us when we have postured ourselves in such a way that says, Lord, I just want you. There's nothing else, just like the song says, nothing else is going to do. I have to have my contentment in you. Because when we place it in other things, you're going to find that the purifying process, the pressing process, the, the pruning process, all of those things are going to expose fake love. They're going to expose fake foundation. And Jesus is our perfect foundation. Listen to his commitment to perfecting you in your process. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith, that word faith means your complete trust in someone or something. And by the way, you and I, we are completely trusting in someone or something. The question is who? The question is what? Let perseverance, I'm sorry, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish. Let it perfect its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Too many times we shortchange our process. We ignore our process. We try to rationalize or spiritualize it into a different direction. But if we ask the Lord in sincerity and in the right posture, he's going to reveal to us exactly what he's doing, why he allows things. Sometimes we won't know that, but he allows these things to happen so that we might trust in him, so that we might be complete and mature. I want to be complete and mature in him. I wrote this down. So thankful for his perfecting power. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. When I have felt like I've been so broken and I didn't know what to do, I ran to that scripture in this season of my life that he is the author. He's, he's going to start and he has the power to finish exactly what he started. And he's not going to do it half done. He's not into like the, you know, like the easy bake oven. Some of you guys know about that. Easy bake oven stuff. He's not even into microwaving. But he's going to finish what he started. And he's going to be thorough. Right, Dave? Dave likes thorough. Y'all should see him detail a van. It's crazy. I applied some stuff on the, on the church van for like an hour and a half the other day, and I was like, man, the Lord's doing a thorough work on this van. <laughs> but he's making us holy, right? This is, is, this is why he perfects us, so he can make us holy, so that we can see him rightly, so that we won't have mixture in our lives. This is the goodness of God. He's making us holy. Hebrews 10, 14. I love, Barry loves this scripture. For by one sacrifice, everybody say one sacrifice. He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So God has the end goal in mind already. He's already paid everything. He's, he's done what he's, he's needed to do. All you and I need to do is trust him in the process. We need to build our faith. 2 Peter 1.3 says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. 
through our knowledge of him who has called us by, by his own glory and goodness. The Lord is going to perfect you. But can I ask you, apply the word of God. Apply the, 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 the truth that he has given us everything that we need. Right? It's the devil's lie over our lives that, that you, you don't have everything you need. You're missing something. You need to go to another conference. You need somebody else to prophesy something over you. No, we need the word of God. The word of God is the power to set us free. It's the power to change our, our thoughts, to rewire our hearts, to give us hope. Here's another scripture on perfection. Psalm 34 9 through 10, for by, oh, actually, I just read that. Just kidding. Well, you know what? I'm just read again. <laughs> for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever. 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 He's made you perfect forever. But right now, he's making you holy. He's making you and I holy. I wasn't going to add this in, but I have a fourth P. When you say yes to the pressing, to the purifying, all of these things, you know what comes out of it is power. Power. I want a life. Man, I, I, I've walked with the Lord for a while now. I can say that. Um, I got saved around 13. I got real serious around 15. I'm 28, going on 29. And I've walked with the Lord for a while. And I know the runaround. I, I kind of know a bunch of stuff in my head. But the key is I'm, I'm asking the Lord in the, in the purifying process, make my heart tender. Can I tell you, purifying makes your heart tender and it produces anointing. The anointing is where the power is. It comes from a life of intimacy found in the pressing. It comes from a life that is found uh, postured correctly when the heat is turned up. Right, We saw David, he was anointed. That word anointed, it means to be divinely set apart. It means to be separate. It's different. You're chosen divinely. And let me say this about the anointing as well. Uh, we, don't, we don't say this a lot, but God is interested. He wants to give you power over your situation. Right? Uh, uh, I believe... I read this earlier, Isaiah 61. We've been sharing this, right, Isaac, about the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the kind of anointing you and I need. And, and Jesus is not just interested, though, in power. He's interested in anointing you with character. So we see this with Jesus. Everywhere Jesus went, signs and miracles followed. But guess what? He also had the character in the pressing to lay down his life. You and I are anointed to have power through intimacy and to also carry character. That character is the thing that's going to uphold the power, to steward it rightly. It's pure. It's not, it's not messed with. There's no evil motives and I found this to be true in my life, that God will produce anointing in my life, power, real power. When he purges me of selfish ambition, when he purges me of mixture, and I find him, the one who is anointing me. In Psalm 23, right, we see that the Lord prepares a table in the presence of our enemies, and the scripture following that says, he anoints my head with oil. You know, there's an old custom that when there was a guest of honor, that they would be anointed with oil. You know, through your process, Jesus anoints you. He, he sets a, a table in the presence of your enemies. He sets a table of fellowship, an invitation for intimacy in your process when you don't understand. So that you would fellowship with him. And guess what? You're anointed. You're anointed for fellowship. You're anointed for character. You're anointed to know him so that when you come up from that table, you have power. You have power through your situation. So these are three purposes that I've been learning that I, I haven't really mastered. 
Three processes. When, I, when things aren't going my way, I'm realizing, Lord, I can trust that you want to produce fruit in my life. You we're, we're, we want to do that way more than I do. So many times we, we, we're, we're thinking, God, like you don't really want to do that, do you? I wonder why that is that we, we, we forget. We need to remind ourselves that that, that's his heart, because if you catch his heart, I'm telling you, you, you will go through whatever way it is. No matter how crooked it is, no matter if you can see the ending, you'll go through it. And he's producing power. He's perfecting us. He's shaping us into his image. So what do we do in the meantime as he's accomplishing those things? How do we, how do we, how do we hold on? Three quick Practicals that I wrote down. Number one, practice waiting on the Lord. Practice, right? Devote your best energies to waiting on the Lord because those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Those who hope in the Lord will not be put to shame. You can bank on it. Why? Because Jesus' blood. He gave it for us. Practice waiting on the Lord in your process. I know it's hard. Number two, preach to yourself. This is one that has been huge to me lately, huge. There's a scripture in 1 Samuel, David, right? David goes through one of the worst situations. He's, he, he, he flees Israel, takes a bunch of dudes with him. He fights for them. He loves on them. He helps them cultivate family, and they're David's mighty men, right? Some of these guys are kind of weird. Just to be honest, there's a dude that jumps into a lion's den in the middle of winter just to slay the lion. It doesn't really say why he does that. It just kind of goes in there. There's another guy that's killed so many different people. Like he, he, you can't even pry the sword from his hand. And so David is, is approaching uh, this fight. Now he's, he left Israel because they didn't want him. And, and uh, Saul's trying to kill him. And he goes to be part of the enemy's camp. And guess what happens? The enemy is like, uh, we're about to go fight Saul, so we don't know if you're just planning to turn your back on us and everything. So actually, we're going to reject you too. You know it's a bad day when your enemy rejects you too. And, um, and so they, they go to this place called Ziklag. What a name, right? They go back to this place called Ziklag, and they find that another people has taken all of the daughters, all of their stuff, their sons and everything, and these mighty men are furious. They are furious, and the Bible says that they're ready to stone David. Can you imagine the betrayal? Can you imagine what it must be like you sacrificing, laying your life down for a bunch of, in some sense, nobodies, and you, and you, and you, you do life with them and everything, and you reach this moment where they want to stone you. David had every right to go in the opposite direction. He could, have, he could have said, you know what? No, no, no. You guys don't even know what I did for you. You don't know how hard I had it. You don't know. But you know what it says? It says he encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Preach to yourself. Family, preach to yourself out loud. Allow the word of God to wash over your mind. Barry's been teaching me this. Sometimes we listen to ourselves too much, and we have to tell ourselves the truth. Tell yourself the truth. Say it out loud. Preach to yourself when you're in your process. And number three, be intentional with community. This is so important because the enemy, I know, and, and, and our tendencies in our flesh, we we, we tend to want to run and hide. We don't want to be exposed before people because it's like, oh my gosh, what if they saw me for who I really am? I wonder what would happen if you and I were exposed completely to each other, our lives, all of those dark thoughts, the secrets, all of those things. I wonder if the love of God was so strong in us and we were so rooted as a community that we could encourage one another and say, still say, no, there's purpose in your process. Right? Because that's the way the Lord sees us. And he still says there's purpose in your process. I think Dr. Davis says this thing. He says, don't yell at the carpenter. He's not finished yet. And I know, I'm, I'm finished here, but I, I know that, that so many times we, we just, 
we just get discouraged for whatever reason. We, 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 the pressing and the pressure and the hardship and the sickness, and, and I know there's so many of you that have to go um, one thing after another. And it's like, wh- when can I catch a breath? And I want to just, and I want to encourage you, I want to tell you there is hope. There is hope in your process. The Lord is doing something. He's working things together, not just for your good, but for his maximum glory. And he's also working together something that is never going to perish when you get to heaven, that you're going to be able to present to Jesus. He's producing something in you and I. He's producing power in you. He's producing character. He's creating, he's cultivating, he's shaping you and I into his image. He's giving us his heart and his mind, his thoughts, even in the midst of process. It's so important that as a community that we learn to encourage one another. In Hebrews, it talks about when you encourage it's not just you saying something nice. It's actually you telling people the truth of how God sees them. That's the only kind of encouragement. Did you know that every time you find the word encouragement in the Bible, it is always tethered to preparing people for the day of the Lord's return? Every single time. And so you and I have a job, and Hebrews says this, to prepare people with encouragement for the day of the Lord as they're going through process. As they're going through pressing, not to make them reliant on my encouragement, to point them to the word, but to also encourage them. Because in so doing, Hebrews tells us that you are actually fighting on their behalf. You're fighting off disheartened, uh, a, a heart that, that is disheartened. You're actually fighting off for your neighbor. Look around in this room. You're fighting off for them unbelief. You're fighting off for them deceit. And you're fighting off of them sin. That's the power of encouragement in process. 